Chapter Seventeen of Ruth Fielding at Briarwood Hall. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Ruth Fielding at Briarwood Hall, or Solving the Campus Mystery, by Alice B. Emerson. Chapter Seventeen. Goody Two Sticks. To tell the truth, the young ladies of the West Dormitory who attended Helen's sub-rosa supper looked pretty blue when the rest of the school filed out of chapel and left them sticking like limpets to their seats. Mrs. Tellingham looked just as stern as Helen imagined she could look when she ended a whispered conference with Miss Pickerley and stood before the culprits. Being out of bed at all hours and stuffing oneself with all manner of indigestible viands is more than a crime against the school rules young ladies she began it is a crime against common sense besides i take a pride in the fact that briarwood hall supplies a sufficient and well-served table fruit at times between meals is all very well but a sour pickle and a piece of angel cake at eleven or twelve o'clock at night would soon break down the digestive faculties of a second samson however she added grimly that will bring its own punishment i need not trouble myself about this phase of the matter but that distinct rules of the school have been broken cannot be ignored each of you who were visitors at the study of mrs fielding and cameron last evening after hours will have one demerit to work off by extra exercises in latin and french miss cox she spoke so sharply that the fox hopped up quickly knowing that she was especially addressed it is reported to me by Miss Pickerley that you spoke to her in a most unladylike manner. You have two demerits to work off instead of one. Mary Cox ruffled up instantly. She flounced into her seat and threw her book aside. Miss Cox, repeated the preceptress sharply, I do not like your manner. Most of these girls are younger than you, and you are their leader. I believe you are all members of the Up and Doing Club. Have a care. Let your club stand for something besides infractions of the rules, I beg. And, when you deliberately insult the teacher who has charge of your dormitory, you insult me. I suppose I'm to be given no opportunity of answering Miss Pickerley's report or accusation, cried Mary Fox. I don't call it fair. Silence, exclaimed the preceptress. You may come to me after session this afternoon. Miss Cameron may work off a full demerit, and before the Christmas holidays, for being the prime mover in this orgy, I am told about, said Mrs. Tellingham, bitingly. I understand there are some extenuating circumstances in the case of Ruth Fielding. She will have one half-mark against her record, to be worked off, of course. And, young ladies, I hope this will be the last time I shall see you before me for such a matter. You are relieved for classes. Two unexpected things happened to ruth fielding that morning as they came out from breakfast she came face to face with mary cox and the older girl cut her plainly she swept by ruth with her head in the air and without returning the latter's nod and although ruth did not care much about mary cox the unkindness troubled her the fox had such a strange influence over helen the second surprising happening was the receipt of a letter from mercy curtis the lame girl Dr. Davison's protégé wrote, Dear Ruth, Mrs. Kimmons next door 
is trundling her twin babies, awfully homely little mites, up and down her long piazza in my wheelchair. To what base uses have the mighty fallen? Do you know what your Uncle Jabez, Dusty Miller, has done? He had waiting for me when I got home from the sanitarium a pair of the loveliest ebony crutches you ever saw, with silver ferrules. I use them when I go out for a walk. Fancy old miserable withered crippled me going out for a walk. Of course, it's really a hobble yet. I hobble-gobble like a rheumatic goblin. But I may do better some day. The doctors all say so. And now I'm going to surprise you, Ruth Fielding. I'm coming to see you. Not for a mere howdy-do, good-bye visit, but to stay at Briarwood Hall a while. Dr. Cranfew, he's the surgeon who helped me so much, is at Lumberton, and he says I can try school again. Public school he doesn't approve of for me. I don't know how they are going to rig it for me, Ruth. Such wonderful things happen to me all the time. But Mr. Davison says I am coming, and when he says a thing is going to happen, it happens, like me going to the Red Mill that time. And isn't old Dusty Miller good to me, too? He stops to see me every Saturday when he is in town. They miss you a lot at the Red Mill, Ruthie. I have been out once behind Dr. Davison's red and white mare to see Aunt Alviri. We just gabbled about you all the time. Your pullets are laying. Tell Helen hello for me. I expect to see you soon, though. That is, if arrangements can be made to billet me with somebody who doesn't mind having a goody two sticks around. Now, good-bye, Ruthie. From your fidgety friend, Mercy Curtis. This letter delighted Ruth, and she went in search of Helen to show it to her. The chums were due at their first recitation in a few moments. Ruth found Helen talking with Mary Cox and Belle Tingley on the steps of the building in a recitation room in which Ruth and Helen were soon to recite. Ruth heard Belle say earnestly, I believe it too. Miss Piccolet wasn't downstairs in her room at all. When she caught me, she came from upstairs, and that's how I didn't give any warning. I didn't expect her from that direction, and I was looking downstairs. She had been warned all right, said the fox sharply. It's plain enough who played the traitor, nasty little cat. I believe you, said Belle, and she only got half a demerit. They favoured her, of course. But why any demerit at all, if she was a spy for Miss Piccolet? demanded Helen, in a worried tone. Pshaw! That's all for a blind, declared the fox. And then all three saw Ruth at the bottom of the steps. The fox and Belle Tingley turned away without giving Ruth a second glance, and went into the building. But Helen smiled frankly on Ruth as her chum approached, and slipped an arm within her own. "'What have you got there, Ruthie?' she demanded, seeing the open letter. "'It's from Mercy. Read it when you get a chance,' Ruth whispered, thrusting it into her chum's hand as they went in. "'It's just as you said. Dr. Davison is going to bring it about. Mercy Curtis is coming to Briarwood, too.' Helen said nothing at all about the fox and her roommate, but Ruth saw that the Upedes, especially those who had been caught in the French teacher's raid on duet number two, whispered a good deal among themselves, and when they looked at Ruth, they did not look kindly. After recitation and before dinner, several of the girls deliberately cut her, as Mary Cox had, but Helen said nothing, nor would Ruth speak first. She saw plainly that the fox had started the cabal against her. It made Ruth feel very unhappy, but there was nothing she could do 
to defend herself. End of chapter 17